Good morning and welcome to a Friday morning. Yes, you heard it right. Friday morning, uh, September the 18th edition of... It is. It's the 17th. Yeah. Why can't I never get that right? I don't know. I don't know what day it is. That's why. Um, so it's Friday, September the 17th edition of the Christian Underground News Network. I'm your host, Kurt Chamberlain, along with your co-host, Pastor Dick Chamberlain, and um, our regular weekly special guest, Lucas Doremus. Uh, Lucas, welcome. I'm glad to have you again today. Um, Mr. Doremus uh, here is the author of several new books, and all of which are either published or in process of being published. Um, uh, we're going to be talking about parables today, as we did last week. We covered a couple of parables out of that book, uh, A Lamp on a Lampstand. And uh, I have read about half of it. I think I'm about halfway through uh, some of the stuff that we're going to be covering today, I don't think I've read yet. So uh, the information you give me is going to be new stuff too to me. So, and I know our listeners are ready for it based on what I've seen as far as uh, hit numbers uh, on the segments that we're doing, Lucas. Uh, you're getting some pretty good response out of it, my Big friend. Time. So, uh, Give us some more information on parables. Uh, basically, what we've been doing, ladies and gentlemen, is talking about parables, what they are, why Jesus used them, and what they literally mean. Uh, if I can use the word literally here, uh, they are parables and uh, allegorical sometimes and, and whatnot, but they have some literal meanings. So uh, Lucas is going to explain a little bit more of that. Uh, which which parables are we doing today, Lucas? The mustard seed? Well, at least get to the mustard seed and the leaven. The mustard seed and the leaven. Okay. Yeah, and, and the way this goes is some of the parables are pretty short to explain. Some of them take a little bit longer. So we just get through yeah. whatever we get through. Okay. That sounds like a plan to me. Then uh, yeah. let's, let's get started. Go ahead and... Get us started on the parable of the mustard seed in Matthew 13, verse 31. Yeah, well, if you want to turn to your Bibles, we'll go there. We're going to review just a little bit. Um, to, to give you the definition of a parable, uh, it's a comparison of a hypothetical situation to reality, emphasizing one similarity to enhance a teaching. Um, I think that's pretty complete, but if you want a much shorter definition, you can just say it's a picture with a meaning. For those of us who are not awake yet, could you repeat that definition one more time? We'll use the short one. It's just, it's a picture with a meaning. A picture uh, with a meaning. It's and, and it's only one meaning. So Jesus uses these to create this picture in your mind to give you a meaning or application to whatever concept he's teaching. So it's a picture with a meaning. Uh, so, that's, a, that's a parable. So when Jesus... Uh, spoke in parables he was trying to drive home a particular point he wasn't giving you options on what to believe this is what he meant right, right. It, correct it's always one meaning now there are parables that the details closely parallel things that are actually going to happen 
Right. So, okay. so sometimes in the details, there are things there, uh, such as, you know, the, the ones where it says a man went away to receive a kingdom and he came back. Well, that's literally going to happen with Jesus. He's going to go away and come back. That's right. Um, yeah. So sometimes those details do enumerate those meanings, but at the same time, the parable only has one provoked thought or one meaning that it's trying to get at one point. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Very good. Very good. So tell us about the parable of the mustard seed, my good friend. Well, we're still going to review just a little bit. You keep, you see, you get ahead of me the same way you get ahead of Dick, right? You know, I have a habit of doing that, don't I? <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, Lucas. <laughs> well, we, we are in the section of the mystery kingdom parables. Okay. And these are uh, eight parables in Matthew, uh, one in Mark, and then Mark and Luke each repeat a couple of them. Um, but these are mystery parables, uh, which mystery parables of the kingdom, uh, which means that Jesus is revealing brand new information. Uh, Pastor Dick, you've been doing a series on uh, mysteries, and I listened to it last week, and it's excellent. Um, and that's exactly what we're doing, is that we're talking about new information about the kingdom. Now, there's a lot of ideas of what that new information is. Um, some people have taken it to mean it's actually dealing with the inter-advent age or what we live in now of the church. Mm -hmm. um, some people think it's just new information about how the kingdom's going to come. Uh, my, my thought on it is the, the mystery is actually the details. Um, mm -hmm. Like we're going to talk about with the mustard seed, um, Christ's kingdom was always going to be global. Right. But but the right. detail of how small it will be compared to how big it will become, that is the unrevealed detail in okay. the parable of the mustard seed. So so that's the that's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with details of the kingdom, um, not necessarily concepts. Um, the concepts are not new. You know, there's going to be a judgment at the end. Um, not everybody's going to get in. Uh, those are all things that are already laid out in the Old Testament. So we are, we, yes, last week we went over the parable of the sower. Um, that provoked thought deals with uh, people are going to respond differently to the kingdom. Uh, some are going to reject it. Others are going to accept it, but not really do much with it. Uh, others are going to accept it and work for a while, but then fall away. And others are going to accept it and work till the end of their life. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, the, uh, provoked thought of the wheat and tares, which we did was, uh, the believers and unbelievers will be together until the end of the right. age of the law, and then they'll be separated. Mm -hmm. Uh, the growing seed, which that one's in Mark, um, sometimes it's missed. Um, the, the provoked thought of that is God is the one preparing the kingdom and man has no part in its preparation. Uh, you look at how God has developed the kingdom and all the details in the kingdom, and God's the one doing it. If anything, man is actually messing it up. Um, and so that, that's where we are. We, man is not going to bring in the kingdom by ourselves. We, we, um, we, have, a, we have a lovely uh, history of messing some things up, don't we? Right. Um, the kingdom has been pretty close um, more than once, actually, <laughs> throughout history. Yeah. Uh, but man has, but man has rejected it. So, right. so yeah, God's the one preparing it. Uh, we're 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 just uh, living, <laughs> right. maybe. Exactly. All right, the parable of the mustard seed. Now, I find this one's only two verses. Uh, it's in Mark thirteen. That's where we're going to read it from. But it's also in Mark chapter four and Luke chapter thirteen. 
I have found that sometimes the very short parables are actually harder to understand. You know, um, I, that that's that's not too hard to believe because, you know, um, <laughs> Yeah, it's a lot of information packed in just a couple of short sentences and uh, um, with a very important topic that needs to be fully understood. So, yeah, that, that's I can see that. Yep. So so we're going to read it. This is Matthew 13, verse 31, um, if you've got your Bible. And it says, another parable he put forth to them, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and sowed in a field, which is indeed, which indeed is the least of all the seeds. But when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. All right. So that's it. It's one sentence. Uh, that's that's the whole parable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of details in this parable that have become under pretty intense scrutiny, um, which, which, is why it's now a good time to remember that parables are very simple. Um, typically, what Jesus means by the parable can be stated in one sentence. Uh, right. a, lot, a lot of times it's quite short. Sometimes it, sometimes the provoked thought includes like two sides of the same point. It'll make a point about the righteous and a point about the unrighteous. Mm-hmm. But it's still, it's still the same point. Uh, it's just coming at it from two different angles. So... The, the parable of the mustard seed, a lot of people have made a lot of all the details in this parable. So we're going to go through it. Um, but, uh, but first, uh, the audience of this, um, in Matthew and Mark, it's the same multitude that he's telling the rest of these the parables to that we've already been through. Uh, in Luke, Luke organizes the parable of the mustard seed a little bit differently. Um, he doesn't put it directly with the other ones. Um, in Luke, it's the same. It's an also a multitude. Uh, maybe it's the same one. Maybe it's a different one. Uh, the reason I say that is because uh, Jesus was a teacher. He was a very good teacher, which meant he would have repeated uh, some of the things he said. And so it it is it is perfectly within the realm of possibility to say that Jesus could have repeated the parable of the mustard seed more than once. Absolutely. Uh, now, now, did he? Um, may, maybe not. Um, did Luke just organize the material differently because he had a different point? Yes, that's possible. Awesome. Um, but, but all I'm saying is, as a teacher, you tend to repeat things. So that's Luke organized it differently. Um, the prompt to this, uh, Matthew and Mark, uh, again, it's just the prompt of the mysteries of the kingdom. He's telling this after the Jews rejected him in chapter 12. In Luke, uh, Jesus is responding to a ruler of a synagogue. Uh, He was very angry about Jesus healing on the Sabbath. Uh, There's nothing wrong with healing on the Sabbath because the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Um, We went over that in the second um, podcast about parables. I encourage you to go back and look at that, why there was so much consternation about the Sabbath. Um, And then uh, Jesus tells this parable after an editorial note uh, that the religious leaders were put to shame and the multitudes rejoiced. Uh, well, why? Well, because Jesus was healing people. Uh, people were happy about it, and the, and the Pharisees were just ticked that he did it on the, uh, uh, the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's the two, the two prompts of this parable. 
And so this parable, I, I'm a, I'll just say this up front. I am not a botanist. I am no studier of plants. In fact, my wife knows way more about plants. Um, <laughs> if something happened and we had to go live in the wilderness, um, she would be the one guiding us yeah. through the through the wilderness, don't, keeping us alive. Don't, don't eat that one, no. Y- yep, yeah. she, and she knows all that stuff. And so uh, I am by no means a botanist. I did uh, do quite a bit of research on this uh, parable and the different details about it. So to state it, I've already said this once, but the only point this parable is making is that the kingdom's going to start very small because a mustard seed is very small and it's going to grow very big, like a mustard seed can grow very big. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's the point that's being made. The kingdom's going to start small and it's going to grow big. Now, the details of it, um, I'll just say the, uh, what plant is it? That's something people like to argue about. Is it the smallest seed? People like to argue about that. Uh, what do, it becomes a tree that phrase is something people latch on to and then also the birds that can nest in the branches the birds of the air that's also something that people will go into so we're going to address all these one by one now i did i did quite a few hours of research into this about what mustard plant is jesus talking about and I will tell you, to save you a couple hours worth of research, there is not unanimous agreement on which mustard plant there is. Right. There are a number of possibilities in mustard plant, but they've all got certain problems. Like some mustard plants will grow quite large into where they'll be as big as a tree, but their seed isn't that small. Right. Uh, there are other plants where the seed, the mustard plant where the seed is very small, but the tree doesn't grow very big. And so there are a number of things like that. Um, so basically, again, to, sa- to save you the trouble, um, I don't know which plant Jesus is talking about, but I'm going to tell you why that really doesn't matter. Jesus's audience was Jewish, and they were farmers. Uh, most of the time, uh, the people back then did some sort of farming, unless they had a trade, uh, but most people were farmers they would have known their plants. Now, they would have known their plants, but they wouldn't have done the kind of research that we've done in modern times and categorize them into genus and species and all that sort of thing. So so Jesus is not making this uh, botanical point, (laughs) so to speak. He is he is just using a, you know, this mustard, a mustard seed is very small. And yeah. it can grow very big. That's his point. He's not making this, well, this exact black mustard tree with the genus and species of, you know, yada, yada, yada. Yep. He's not making that point. Now, one other thing to say is the parable of the fig tree, which we'll get to later, there are actually multiple kinds of species of fig tree. Yeah. Nobody brings that parable under this kind of scrutiny and decide, you know, discusses what kind of fig tree was Jesus talking about. Nobody does that. And so just we're kind of picking this parable out with these details and we're really, we're doing a disservice to it because again, Jesus's point is just that it's small and then it's big. Now, what plant is it? Well, that brings up another interesting, another interesting point that plants and climates change over time. Uh, I have been, uh, we, we were, have been studying Daniel in another Bible study I'm doing. And uh, when the 
we, we went through the history of how Daniel got to Babylon, but before that, the Northern Kingdom, they got carried off by Assyria. Yeah. When Assyria started resettling the land, lions started coming out and attacking them and killing them. Mm-hmm. Now, lions are not in the land of Israel today. No. Um, and so climates change over time. We know that in Britain, they used to be able to grow grapes. That's so climates. So, cli- so climates change. Now, not only do climates change, but plants change. Uh, if you look at bananas and what they used to be, bananas we buy in the grocery store really don't look like the actual plantain plant. You also look at something like avocados. Uh, the avocados, the pit, the seed in the middle, in quote, wild avocados, those pits are far larger. Yeah. So what we do over a long time is we humans, we breed plants in order to get certain qualities to make them better for us to eat. We've been doing that for thousands of years. So the reasons, the reason I'm bringing that up is climate and plants change. And so 2000 years ago, mustard plants could have grown differently. And the way we've bred them, the plants might have grown differently than they do today. So whatever species of mustard plant it was, it was, had a very small seed and it grew into something very large. And Jesus wouldn't have used that comparison if his audience wasn't familiar with it. Because if that wasn't accurate in the day, anybody in the audience could have said, hold on, Jesus, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Well, nobody did that because his comparison made a whole lot of sense. Now, if someone comes and says, hey, wait a minute, I still want to know what plant that is. Well, I still can't tell you. Also, because God is not required to preserve uh, the existence of things that he talks about in his word. The best example of this is behemoth and Leviathan in Job 40 and 41. Yep. At least that we know about, there are no living creatures that are that fit the description in Job 40 and 41 of a very large land animal and a very large sea animal. That's right. Now, I I think the land animal is a dinosaur. Um, I don't know exactly what Leviathan is. Um, I think think Leviathan was a plesiosaur. It it could have been a very large plesiosaur. Mm -hmm. I think Leviathan was probably a brontosaurus. Behemoth was a brontosaurus. Yep. Uh, A a sauropod dinosaur. Yep. Yep. And we don't see those today. Now, that doesn't in any way mean that Job is inaccurate. Uh, It's not true, anything like that. It just means that those animals weren't preserved. That's right. They they were, uh, they became extinct due to uh, probably, you know, maybe some climate change or. I I think very natural causes. One of those natural causes being humans hunting them. I think that's probably one of the large causes of it. Yeah. yeah. You notice in dragon stories, the humans are always killing the dragons. Yeah. (laughs) You know, that that kind of thing. But that's a whole other topic about dinosaurs. Uh, We'll just say that I think dinosaurs after the flood, oh, that means dinosaurs were on the ark. I think dinosaurs just died of very natural reasons, like any other animals go extinct. But I think dinosaurs were on the ark also. I think that. they collected eggs and and let them gestate while on the ark they would have gotten juveniles that's right that's right anyway dinosaurs boy we could talk about that someday but that's a whole nother topic i love dinosaurs especially having young boys 
Um, okay, so again, God's not required to preserve the exact species of mustard seed. Now, we also know some from some ancient Jewish writings that the, the, the rabbis around that time, or the rabbis, they would use this same comparison. So this com using a mustard seed being very small, that was actually a very common illustration. So people would have been familiar with it. Mm -hmm. But someone might also say, wait a minute, the mustard seed is not the smallest seed in the, in the Middle East, much less the world. Um, and so that say, well, see, Jesus was wrong because when he says it's the least of all the seeds, well, the mustard seed isn't the least. Ah, but there's another detail that he says. In the verse right before it, he says, which a man took and sowed in his field. Mm -hmm. So Jesus was absolutely correct. The mustard seed was the smallest seed that would have been sowed. Yeah. And so Jesus is accurate. He is not saying it's the smallest seed in the entire world. He's saying it's the smallest seed that you would have planted. And that's entirely accurate. Now, th that, that same someone that seems to like to argue with me, um, he might say, wait a minute. Uh, the parable says that the mustard seed becomes a tree. Uh, mustard is an herb and herbs aren't trees. Uh, the biggest difference between herbs and trees that we can observe is trees have bark and herbs do not. And so when Jesus says it becomes a tree, they're saying what, what, what this person would say is that, well, the, the mustard seed morphed into something that it wasn't. It morphed from an herb into a tree, which is a change of species. Uh, here's my take on it. I don't think Jesus is, again, making a botanical point saying an herb changed into a tree. All it's saying is the herb became something that looked like a tree. It grew big enough that you would look at it from a distance and go, yeah, that's a tree. Mm -hmm. um, he, he is not making a comment on that. Now, what people will say is that, well, the kingdom is going to start you know, at the end of the millennium. And every person on earth is going to be a believer, but we know from Revelation, by the end of the kingdom, it's going to be evil, Satan's going to be released, and that yeah. sort of thing. So, so that means the kingdom is going to morph into something that it wasn't originally, like an herb would morph into a tree. That detail is going beyond the provoked thought of the parable. Again, the parable is just saying that the kingdom's going to start small and grow big. That's all it's saying. It's not making a point about the kingdom be starting, um, quote, pure, and then becoming evil as uh, toward the end of the tribulation. Now, that will happen, but that's not what the parable is saying. Okay. Now, the last point is, is in addition to that, they say the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. If you were to do a word, well, I guess it'd be a phrase study on the birds of the air in the Old Testament you would yep. find that the birds of the air often mean evil is coming to, quote, nest somewhere. That's right. Uh, um, I, I will absolutely recognize that. But again, that's not the provoked thought of the parable isn't making another point about how the kingdom is going to turn into something very evil. What the birds of the air, the comment is, that's a comment on how large the tree is is that the birds can come and nest in the branches. Well, the birds can't do that on a flower. They have to do that in a tree. Yeah. So that detail of the birds in the air coming and nesting in the branches, all it's saying is the herb, the mustard plant is big enough that it's able to have birds come and nest in the branches. 
That's it. That's the only comment it's making. I'll buy that for a dollar. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, so those are the details um, of, of this parable that I hope, I hope I walked through. They're all just serving the illustration that the kingdom's going to start small and grow very big. Now, how big is it going to get? Uh, Dick, you and I just talked about this a little bit. Um, we know that a new heaven, a new earth is going to come down. Is that new earth going to be bigger than what we have now for our planet? We don't know. Now, the other thing is our new earth won't have seas. We know it'll at least have water of some sort because rivers are going to be there, um, yeah. but it won't have large oceans. So even let, let's assume it's the same size, which we don't even know that. But if it's the same size with no oceans, we're going to have a whole lot more room to grow the kingdom. A whole lot more land mass to deal with. Yeah. Yep. And if the city itself is, uh, is it 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles? I believe that's it. That's correct. Uh, maybe, <laughs> who knows, maybe that's a very small part of the new earth that's going to be created. Could be. Because it's going to talk about us coming into the Jerusalem. Well, we can't come into it unless there's somewhere out of it that we can go. So who knows? All I'm saying is, the small to big ratio that Jesus is saying, it could be a lot bigger than we think it is. Um, yeah. I don't know this, um, and maybe we won't even do this. I don't know. Will we be able to travel beyond Earth in the new heavens? You know, I'd, I'd like to be able to think, yes, we, mm -hmm. that we'd be able to, but we don't know. We don't know, but maybe the kingdom extends beyond the new, the new Earth. Uh, maybe it does. I, I would think that that it probably would. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, reason for the gates being open. Yeah. Uh, he says there's a reason for the gates being open. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, I, that, I think that's possible. Um, but that's, that's just a neat thought to have. Now, that's not a detail in the Bible to say start a new church over. You know, I don't want to start the third locked up church and the Methobacterian, we're going to travel beyond the new earth, you know, kind of thing. But, uh, but it's just interesting to think about. So the provoked thought, after all that, provoked thought, the kingdom will grow to an enormous size compared to its very small beginning size. That's yep. the point. Kingdom's going to start small, grow big. Yep. Now, moving on to the parable of the leaven. Eleven. This is another very short one. And it's got some details in it that we also need to deal with because, again, they've come under some scrutiny and come from some different interpretations of this. So we're going to read this in Matthew chapter 13. Uh, it's also in Luke 13. We're going to read it out of Matthew, though. Uh, in Matthew 13, verse 33, it says another parable he spoke to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, Till it was all leavened. And that's it. That's a very short parable. Uh, for this one, the audience and the prompt are the same as the last one. Um, so now, what do we do this with this parable? Now, whenever you come to this parable, leaven is yeast. It's the same thing. And whenever you start bringing up yeast, uh, that's where you start getting into the idea of yeast being evil. Now, yeast is definitely used as a uh, symbolism for evil. You know, Jesus says very plainly, beware of the leaven of Pharisees. And so what a lot of people do with this parable is they say, well, yeast is evil, so yeast must be evil in the parable. 
Well, I can really quickly say that's not true because it says the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. Well, the kingdom of heaven is not evil. Right. So right off the bat, yeast here does not mean evil, even though it often does in the Bible. Um, it doesn't mean evil here. Now, turn with me to Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12, this is talking about the Passover, uh, when the Israelites are still in Egypt. And it's talking, this chapter is talking about the Passover meal. And we're going to be in chapter 12, verse 31. And we're going to read a decent amount of this just because I want to make a simple point. In verse 31, it says, Then he called for Moses and Aaron, and by night said, Rise, go out from among the people, both you and the children of Israel, and go serve the Lord as you have. This is Pharaoh talking to the Israelites. Also take your flocks and your herds, as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. And the Egyptians urged the people that they might send them out of the land in haste, for they said, We shall be dead. Now this is right after the twelfth plague, where the firstborn all died. So right. they were, get out of here. Verse 34. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, having, having their kneading bowls bound up in their clothes on their shoulders. Well, why was that happening? Well, because God told them to get ready. He told them to even eat with their sandals because they're going to have they're going to tell you to go out so quick. You're not even going to have time to get your shoes on. So their bread was not leavened. It had no yeast in it. Verse 35. Now the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses, and they had asked from the Egyptians articles of silver, articles of gold, and clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they granted them with what they requested. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. And that's exactly what God told Abraham way back in Genesis 15. So prophecy coming true. Verse 37, then the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Sukkoth, about 600,000 men on foot besides children. A, multi a mixed multitude went up from them also, and the flocks and herds, a great deal of livestock. And they baked unleavened cakes out of dough, which they had brought out of Egypt, for mm -hmm. it was not leavened. Why? Because they were driven out of Egypt and could not wait, nor had they prepared provisions for themselves. So in this, what it's talking about, the leaven is not leavened, not ha having to do anything with good or evil, but out of terms of haste or yeah. quickness, or speediness. Mm -hmm. And so I can't say that yeast always means evil. Now, in the New Testament, where it's used relating it to people kind of thing, yes, it does often mean that. But mm -hmm. to always say, oh, leaven always means evil, I can't do that, um, because that's not what the word means always. So turning back to verse 33 in Matthew 13, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. So again, it clearly can't mean evil because the kingdom of heaven is not evil. Right. And it says, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leaven. Now, one thing people will do is they will key in on this, the woman, and hid it in three measures of meal. Well, what's that talking about? Uh, a lot of times they'll relate this woman to say maybe the woman in Babylon or the woman riding the beast in revelation right. uh, they'll talk about the woman being jezebel because sometimes jezebel is used as a term to describe just evil um, mm -hmm. it was also the the literal queen back in, in ahab and elijah's day um, again those details are going beyond the point of the parable 
the point of the parable is the kingdom is going to permeate all of the earth, all of life, just like leaven permeates the entire loaf. Mm -hmm. That's the point. So when it's talking about a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened, all it's saying is in order for leaven to permeate the loaf, this is what would happen. Someone, woman, man, it doesn't matter, except back then, I think the woman generally made the bread. You would put the leaven in the meal and you'd knead it until it was all leavened. Yeah, come to think of it, Sarah, yeah. Sarah did that for Abraham when mm -hmm. he was visited right before the Sodom and Gomorrah. And by the way, destruction. Yeah. By the way, leaven makes the lump larger. It does, yeah. Yep, it makes the bread rise. It expands. Yeah. Yep. Now, okay. uh, I'm going to go a little step deeper on yeast, uh, which I don't think, again, Jesus wasn't make a, making a culinary point, just like he wasn't making a botanical point in the last parable. Mm -hmm. But leaven even chemically alters the bread. Yeah. And so what, what Jesus is saying is that every single aspect of life, when the kingdom starts, is going to be, uh, the kingdom is going to be in every aspect of life, just like leaven is in every part of the bread as right. you cook it. Right. Okay? Um, and so that's the point, is that's going to permeate every part of the world. Um, excuse me. Uh, the, the detail of a woman hiding it, uh, somebody will, sometimes people will key on, on the hid, as in there's evil hidden until Satan's released. Um, mm -hmm. Again, it's, it's beyond the point of the parable. Um, now, that will happen. I mean, there will be evil in the kingdom, and, and Jesus will deal with it quickly. Uh, you can read about that in Zechariah. But, uh, but all he's saying is the kingdom will be a part of every part of life when it starts. Okay. So if you, if you take all the, these three parables about these seeds, You've got the growing seed in which God is doing everything to prepare the kingdom. You've got the mustard seed talking about the kingdom being very small and very large. And then you've got the parable of the leaven in which the kingdom is going to permeate every part of the kingdom. You've got this grand picture of the detail of what the kingdom is really going to encompass here on earth. And so it's a very, these three, those three parables, excuse me, I said the seed parables, but this one's leaven, not seed. <laughs> uh, you've got this really nice picture of what the kingdom's going to be. Yeah. Uh, I just think that's really neat. Okay. So the provoke thought one more time, the kingdom will permeate every part of life in every part of the world. And boy, I wish it was like that today. Don't you guys? Yeah. <laughs> And now would be a good time for it to start being that way, wouldn't it? Yeah. And so, uh, so some of the parables make this other point, but that's not going to happen until Jesus comes back. Right. And so that's why we pray for him to come back, because we're looking forward to it. Um, well, why do we see the evil growing? Well, one reason is so we'll look forward to the kingdom. <laughs> yeah. You know, there, there's lots of other reasons, but that's a good one. All right. So we'll move on uh, now. Jesus, what he does here is we're going to talk about the hidden treasure, and we'll probably also get to the pearl of great price, because those are both pretty short. Um, but what he does now is he goes inside to a house, and the, par and the disciples start asking him about the meanings of the parables. Yep. And so the parable of the hidden treasure, this is not to the multitude anymore. This is only to his 12 disciples. To the disciples, right. Mm -hmm. And so that's going to change. That changes just slightly. Um, 
how we how we can interpret these and know what they mean. So just because we know they were told to a private audience, uh, the disciples were believers, all except Judas. And so Jesus is going to be able to communicate to them differently than he communicates to the, the multitudes. So this is Matthew 13, verse 44. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. And that, again, that's it. It's one sentence. So some of these parables are pretty short. Now, uh, the, the, the meaning of this parable, I think, is that the, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure in a field which a man found and hid. I think that this, uh, this hidden treasure, the man wasn't looking for this. Uh, no. He just found it. Stumbled um, across it, yeah. Right. Whereas the pearl of great price, he was actually looking for it. Mm -hmm. Well, the man in all these parables is Jesus. He's the one doing the sowing. Uh, and so when we get to this, uh, we can also say that he's the one looking, or, or he's the one, um, or sorry, he's looking in the pearl of great price. He is the one stumbling across this treasure. Yeah. I think the best way to understand this is that Jesus is finding the Gentiles. Um, you know, he made a comment a little earlier in the book of Matthew about the centurion and his faith. And he says, how I've not even found such great faith in Israel. Um, there are other references later where, you know, the, some Gentiles ask Jesus about things and he says, but I was not sent to the Gentiles. And the woman says, yes, but even the dogs want to pick up scraps from the table. <laughs> and he, he makes another little comment about Gentiles and their faith. And so Jesus was sent specifically to the house of Israel. Um, yeah. Why? Because that was his purpose. He was sent to them to save them and to bring in their kingdom because he's their king. But what happened? Well, throughout his ministry, Gentiles ended up believing. And we know, especially in the church age, a lot of Gentiles are going to believe. Now, very early on in the church age, the church was completely Jewish. But now you look at the church makeup. Um, it's not like I have a study to look at, but I would just wager a guess that there are more Gentiles that are believers now instead of Jews. I'd go along with that, yeah. Yep, and, and I think, you know, Romans strongly indicates that because Israel is going to be blinded um, yeah. per Romans 9, 10, and 11. And so the Gentiles are going to be a great joy that are going to end up in the kingdom also. Right. And so the Gentiles are going to believe there, be there. Now, this is another one of those, I can't prove this. I think even in the eternal state, I think there's still going to be a difference between Israel and the church because of how we're put. The church is the bride of Christ. Um, actually, in the New Testament, Jesus is never referred to as our king, even though he is the king and we are his bride. Um, and even in, in the New Jerusalem, you've got the 12 gates and the 12 foundations, is it, Pastor Dick? that are named after the 12 tribes and then the 12 apostles. Yeah. Do I, do I have that right? Yeah. And, and so I, I think even in the internal state, I think there's still a difference. And, uh, and so him making the point and separating the Gentiles out, that's what he's doing here. The Gentiles are going to be a great treasure. And, uh, and how glad am I <laughs> 
that yeah. salvation was extended. Uh, oh, I am a Gentile. Amen. I am not Jewish. Yep. Amen. And so that is the uh, that is the simple point of this parable is that Jesus paid the purchase price for any Gentile to enter the kingdom of heaven. Because what did Jesus do? He went or, or sorry, what does the man in the parable do? He sold all that he has and buys the field to gain the treasure. Yep. Well, what did Jesus do? He died on the cross. He, right. quote, he quote sold everything he had. He purchased us from the slave market. Um, right. he, he paid our price. And so how thankful am I that he had that? Because if Jesus didn't do that, I couldn't go to heaven. Yeah. So yeah. how thankful. Now, that leads very nicely into the pearl of great price. Mm-hmm. We're going to read that. This is Matthew 13, verse 45. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Mm-hmm. The man here is doing the same thing, except in this parable, he is seeking the pearl, whereas in the treasure, he just stumbled upon it. That's right. The pearl that he's seeking, I believe the pearl here is Israel, because that's who Jesus was sent to. Okay. In the same way that he purchased the field for the treasure, he purchased the, the pearl. How did he do that? Again, he died on the cross, same way. That's right. And so both parables are just getting this, you know, Jesus is trying to get across to his disciples that he has paid the purchase price for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, Salvation is available to everybody. There is not one person on this planet uh, that Jesus didn't die for, that has ever lived or will ever live. And all you have to do is believe that Jesus died for you on that cross and he gives you eternal life. That's it because he already paid your price. There's nothing you have to do. If there was, that means Jesus didn't pay all of it, just as the hymn says, Jesus paid it all. And so the, the provoked thought, Jesus paid the purchase price for Israel to enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, we'll, we've actually got a number more minutes. We might be able to get all the parables, the mystery parables of the kingdom done, because then these next two are pretty short too. Uh, the next one is the parable of the dragnet. Now, this one is in Matthew 13, verse 47. And we'll begin reading there. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind, which, when it was full, they drew to shore, and they sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but threw the bad away. So it will be at the end of the age, the angels will come forth, separate the wicked from among the just, and cast them into the furnace of fire, there will be be wailing wailing and gnashing of teeth. So this parable sounds a little bit repetitive uh, to the others, but there's a certain emphasis here, and I think that's what Jesus is trying to get across here. Uh, The dragnet, that's just a fishing net, it's cast into the sea, and it says it it gathered some of every kind. Uh, I think what Jesus is saying here is what he said in the previous two parables, that again, salvation is available to everybody. The dragnet is the gospel. Mm-hmm. Everybody has the opportunity to be saved. Right. Um, Titus 2.11, it says that the gospel has appeared unto all men. Yep. Um, I am going to turn to Romans. I'm just going to camp here for just a second. In Romans chapter 1, as I turn there, in verse 18... 
it says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest to them, for God has shown it to them. Verse 20, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made. Well, what are the things that are made? Well, us. Uh <laughs> even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Mm -hmm. So not only does everybody know about it, but nobody has an excuse. You're not going to get up to heaven and go, oh, well, God, I didn't, you know, whatever. I didn't know, or I didn't have time, or you didn't give me the right opportunity, right? I wasn't aware, whatever it is. Verse 21 says, because although they knew God, so everybody does, they yep. did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. In other words, they rejected him. Yep. And so when he's making this point about the dragnet, everybody has the opportunity. Now in verse, or I'm sorry, in first Timothy two, as I turn them, turn there, first Timothy two Verses three through four, um, lest we think that God is some kind of overseer emperor that's just waiting for us to mess up. In First Timothy chapter two, uh, verse three, it says, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God doesn't want anybody to be to perish. Nope. Well, then you can ask the question, well, why do people perish? Well, because God also gave us the ability to choose. That's right. And so it is God's will that we all be saved. It is also God's will that we have the choice. Uh, and there's no conflict here. Um, any parent knows this. You know, my kids are five and eight. You know, I learn this continually all the time. I, des I know what I desire my kids to do, but I also desire for my kids to learn it on their own. <laughs> yeah, oh, sure. Uh -huh. and, so, uh, and so that's very, that's exactly what's going on. Um, there's no conflict in God's will or his sovereignty. No, he desires yeah. both. Um, the book, the, the Bible even ends. Uh, this is really one of my, one of my favorite verses in Revelation 22, verse 17. So this is right at the end of the Bible. It says, and the spirit and the bride say, come, and let mm -hmm. him who hears say, come, and let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. Right. Whoever desires, meaning some will, some won't. Yep. Um, no let him take the water of life freely. Oh, there's just another point that it's free. So in the parable of the dragnet, you've got the fish being caught into this net. So everybody's got the opportunity to be saved. But then there's a separation that happens. Now, this separation, it happens to be the same one in the wheat and the tares. But the emphasis here is on the wicked. It says that they'll separated the wicked from among the just and cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. So these wicked, they'll, be, they'll have the opportunity up to the point they don't have the opportunity, which happens to be the mark. Um, but, I, but I tend to think the mark won't happen at one point in time, you know, because the mark, it won't, it won't be like everybody like instantly has it. I think it'll be, it has to be given out. And so once you get the mark in, in the tribulation, uh, your decision is made. Agreed. But 
if you don't have the, the mark, you still have the opportunity to be saved. Right. But the, when the angels come forth and separate those wicked, wicked from the just, uh, they'll cast you into the fire. They'll be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Now, last podcast, we went over this phrase, wailing of gnashing of teeth. Right. And it always has to deal with people getting into or out of or excluded from the kingdom. Right. So we know this judgment is the same. So I think what Jesus is doing in this parable, he's giving the, the very real application almost of the other two, of the other parables, saying yeah. and basically saying, don't be one of the wicked. Believe. That's um, right. Be, be a part of the kingdom because everybody has the opportunity. Uh, the provoked thought here, all peoples will be gathered before Jesus at the end of the tribulation. The wicked will be separated from the just and thrown into hell. Hell is a real place. Um, and all you have to do to not go there is believe in Jesus as your savior. That's really the long and short of it, isn't it? Mm -hmm. yep. All right. We have got time for the last one because this one is quite short. This is the parable of the householder, mm -hmm. uh, I call it. Um, same audience, same prompt, uh, except in this one, in verse 51 of Matthew chapter 13, mm -hmm. Jesus, it says, Jesus said to them, this is just the disciples privately. Disciples, right. Have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes, Lord. I, I wonder if they really did. <laughs> you know, because, man, some of these parables took me a long time. Uh, so, but they said they did. I'm not necessarily going to doubt them. I just, man, they, some of these are harder than I think they are. Yeah. Verse 52. Then he said to them, therefore, every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out of his treasure new, things new and old. Uh, this is also, this is a very simple parable. The point is, I have just given you new information, and there is also old information. Where do you find all the old information? The entire Old Testament. Yeah. Now I'm giving you new information. Just like a householder has treasures that are both new and old, you need to put together this information that is both the new information and the old and put it together. Take, take the viable stuff that applies to your life uh, out of the old and, and start your new journey, your, your, your new journey as a new creature with some good old principle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He always saying, put it together. Yeah. And that will give you a picture of the kingdom. Uh, now, one, one point to make is, you know, a lot, sometimes we view the book of Revelation as the book that's dealing with the end times and the book that's dealing with the kingdom. We'll take the millennial kingdom. The only detail the book of Revelation adds about the millennial kingdom is the length. That's that's correct yep that's it the in all the detail about the millennial kingdom is found before revelation that's it's not until revelation you get this thousand year period right. and so 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 this point so i use that example just to make the simple point that you need to go if you want to know about the kingdom you have to go to the old testament and the new testament the new information and the old information um, the pivot, the, the pivot of that being Jesus, because, you know, the gospels, technically the gospels are old Testament because we're still in the age of Israel. Yeah. And so the pivot being Jesus, you need to look both after and before him to get a picture of what the kingdom is going to be. 
because as you made clear, Pastor Dick, um, the, the king is going to have a bride. And where do we get all the information about the bride of the king and the kingdom? The New Testament, because it was a mystery until then. That's right. And so we just, that's the point the householder is going to make. Take the old information and the new information, put it together, and you got a picture of the kingdom. Yep. And so the, those are the nine kingdom parables. Uh, and so I, I hope that was interesting. I hope that was fun. I have a lot of fun. Um, it, it was. I, I have to tell you, there a lot of good information uh, in, in there. You, you are, I, I, li I particularly like how you're teaching it uh, based on uh, a provoked thought. Yeah. A, a lot of times that brings you to the conclusions that you need. Mm -hmm. that, that Jesus wanted you to come to um, if you use the provoked thought method. I, I mm -hmm. like it. I really like it. I'm learning some good stuff here. Yeah. So next time, um, the way I've divided it is uh, there are these mystery kingdom parables. And then yeah. there's parables that are about the kingdom. So I yeah. call those kingdom parables. And okay. then there's just general parables that they're teaching more general ideas. So we will go ahead and go, to, we'll go next week. We'll start the kingdom parables. Okay. Um, and, and, and I have to, I have to tell you the kingdom parables, a number of them are dealing with salvation and getting in or out of the kingdom. And right. I will tell you when I was studying it the first time, sometimes that can wear on you. Um, you, whenever you study the justice of God, you've sure got to have a good balance with his mercy and grace. Boy, that's for sure. And so, that's and so we'll sure. study these. Sometimes it'll get a little heavy, uh, but that's only to drive people to believe. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we'll aim for. Okay. That sounds like a plan, sir. I like it. I like it. <laughs> wow. Um, again, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you want to get some more of the, the meat and potatoes of, of what parables are and are, 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 are all about why Jesus used them, what they really mean, go ahead and pick up Lucas's book, A Lamp on a Lampstand. That's correct. And it's available where, Lucas? Um, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, you know, those anywhere, different outliers. Anywhere books are sold. Anywhere books are sold, that's right. Yeah. Just about. All you've got to do is type in either the title or the author's name, which is Lucas Doremus. The book is entitled... A lamp on a lampstand, and um, type either one of those into the keyword search, and you will be able to have you'll have at your fingertips some wonderful information. Um, while we're at it, Lucas, real quick before we go, uh, tell us what the titles of your other books are in case people are interested. I know we're going to be talking about those in future podcasts, but let them know what the titles are. We will eventually. There's a book on Ecclesiastes, and that's one's kind of titled Eat, Drink, and Be Merry. Eat, and, Drink, and Be Merry. Wow. And uh, the title of the book about Job is called Stand Still and Consider. Yeah, and man. you can find both of those online in print or ebook. <laughs> I could listen and just on a personal note, I can hardly wait till we get to uh, your book on Job. And I've read all three of them, and I love them. Yeah. Thanks, Pastor Dick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that wraps up another hour for, for us today. We thank you for being with us today, ladies and gentlemen. Lucas, we thank you again for, for being with us and sharing this information. 
And we hope that you'll be with us again uh, next Saturday is when we have it scheduled. We may do it a day earlier or a day later. Uh, but regardless, you wanna, you're going to get the information yeah. if you tune in. So uh, just keep your eyes open. We'll be posting it. Uh, be with us again uh, next Saturday as we, as we continue on in our studies with Lucas Doremus on Kingdom Parables. Uh, until then, this is the Christian Underground News Network signing off. Uh, may God bless and keep you, and uh, we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.